Welcome to your High Vibration Life podcast with Robin Openshaw, also known online as the Green Smoothie Girl. When you're living your high vibration life, you're healthier in every way. You're more productive, creative, peaceful, and loving. Your high vibration life is calling. And now your host, Robin Openshaw. Hi there, it's Robin Openshaw, and welcome back to your high vibration life. And I'm going to introduce you today to someone I've admired from a distance. We met just recently, but her name is Dr. Terry Walls. She has become really famous for reversing neurological disease, very specifically her own multiple sclerosis. She's a clinical professor of medicine at the University of Iowa, and she's the author recently of The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and functional medicine, as well as a cookbook that goes with it. And so she is really inspirational because she was in a reclining um, wheelchair. And so I want you to meet her and I want you to learn from her. And so thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Terry Walls. Hey, thank you so very much for having me today. My pleasure. So tell me about uh, being a medical doctor, declining and being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and what was that like in the beginning? Well, you know, uh, like many uh, physicians, when I was first diagnosed, I started reading scientific literature about my disease uh, and quickly it was just very, very upsetting because I saw that it was a progressive disease within 10 years of diagnosis. One half of those newly diagnosed with relapsing, remitting, multiple sclerosis, which I was, uh, half will be unable to work due to severe fatigue and one third will have some sort of gait disability, needing a cane, walker, or wheelchair. So I just kept getting more and more upset. And uh, finally, you know, my spouse said, you know, Terry, you've got to stop uh, reading this stuff. It's just getting you upset. Let's go find the best people in the country and let them take care of you. So I uh, went to the Cleveland Clinic uh, and saw their best people and gave them all the control over my illness. So... As a medical doctor, did you really put a lot of faith in the protocols of modern medicine? And how long did that take you? Well, you know, um, so at, at that time that I was diagnosed, I'm an academic internal medicine doc. I believe completely in the newest drugs, the newest devices, the newest surgeries. I think people who are using vitamins and supplements and complementary alternative medicine and I know that people are spending billions of dollars. And I think it's a tremendous waste of money for these unproven uh, things. Uh, and so I naturally uh, thought I should treat my disease aggressively and sought out the, you know, the best people that I could find in the country doing clinical research in my area. And that was the Cleveland Clinic. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sort of fond now of saying, you know, God works in mysterious ways. Um, so... By my getting MS and seeing that within three years, my newest, latest drugs had not stopped my decline at all. And I was likely headed towards becoming bedridden and demented by my illness. Uh, and so I uh, went back to reading the basic science. You know, and at first, you know, I'm reading about little mice and little uh, rat studies. And that very first, Robin, I'm searching for the newest, latest drugs. Now, fortunately, after a year or two of doing that, I realized that was silly. I should be looking for things that I could access. 
which were the vitamins and supplements. Yeah, and so that's what I began uh, reading. You know, and at first, there really wasn't anything in the MS literature about that, but I did find literature uh, with other mouse models of shrinking brains, things like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's dementia, Huntington's disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, and ALS. And in all those things, I, I saw that mitochondria were strained and they were giving signals uh, time to die too early to the brain cells. And so I thought, well, maybe that's what's going on with MS. And so tell me about your turning point. You were totally pro drugs and surgery. I'm curious if they put you on like, it seems to me like they put people on methotrexate with MS back um, at about that time or where, where were you in so, that? So, you know, there's the initial drugs, the um, uh, beta seron and Copaxone drugs. I tried those, uh, didn't help. I continued to decline. Uh, then when I needed the tilt recline wheelchair, I was put on mitoxantrone, which is a form of chemotherapy. And then uh, the next thing, uh, so I bypassed methotrexate. I, I went straight to the chemotherapy. Uh, then the next thing that became available was uh, Tizabri, which is that new biologic drug, very potent and very powerful. It, it, it was twice as effective at stopping acute uh, relapses as all the other drugs, but I continued to decline. Uh, and so uh, from, I was taken off that. And then I was put on Celsept, another form of immune suppression. And that was the drug that I stayed on. And despite, you know, so I'm taking these drugs. They all make you sick. They, they are all very, very difficult to take. But we're terrified, most folks with MS, and I was certainly one of them, terrified of becoming bedridden and demented from our illness. So we take these drugs that make us sick because we think they are decreasing the likelihood that we'll become bedridden and demented. And then in my case, I could see like, well, uh, that's probably going to happen despite taking those drugs, but maybe the drugs are slowing it down somehow. So I, you know, I, I stay with the drugs for a while. And eventually, of course, I uh, wise up and I uh, do create a, a alternative approach. Okay. So tell me about your turning point. You were really putting all your faith in the Cleveland Clinic and they delivered you more and more toxic drugs, all of which were really difficult in their side effects, yeah. then what? Well, and you know, the clinical clinic did do one thing uh, that was helpful for me. You know, they told me about um, MS direct, say direct MS charity, uh, a group out of Canada whose son had uh, dramatically restored his health using a gluten-free diet. So I, I went there, got introduced to their work uh, in the work of Lauren Cordain, read that and, uh, made some initial dietary changes that still didn't change anything, but at least I felt like I was doing something. Um, then I uh, continued down the chemotherapy route, getting worse, down the uh, Tizabri route, getting worse. Uh, and uh, then I take Celsept and I begin uh, reading and began uh, thinking about vitamins and supplements. Uh, and I start on some vitamins and supplements. About six months later, I am so disgusted. You know, I haven't gotten any better. I'm, I'm, my head that thinks vitamins and supplements are a terrible waste takes over and I quit them because I'm mad and I'm cranky because I'm still getting worse. But I can't get out of bed the next day. I can't go to work the next day. And on the third day, uh, uh, my wife Jackie comes in and says, Terry, I think I 
I take these again. So I take them and I can get up the next day and go back to work. So I'm really excited. Like, wow, that was a, a very interesting observation. So two weeks later, I uh, do the same thing again. And I stop all my vitamins and supplements, cannot function. Three days later, I resume them and I can function again. So I decide that though they aren't curing me, they clearly are doing something. Uh, uh, and my conclusion is that they're slowing down the speed of my decline. They're certainly helping my fatigue. And so now I'm very excited because I am figuring something out that my physicians were not telling me, neither my neurologist nor my primary care doc. So now I'm, I'm pretty excited about trying to read a little bit uh, every week about mouse models of MS and other shrinking brains and beginning to be much more intentional about experimenting on myself. Okay, so you had a turning point in your recovery. Supplements taught you that that at least nutrients had something to do with you're not failing further. And then you, you really redesigned your diet and that was a huge turning point, right? Yeah. You know, uh, that was a a huge, huge turning point. Although Robin, I'm going to step back a little bit before I redesigned my diet again, uh, to comment on, um, a turning point that one of my physician friends had me write a case for the medical students about um, their introduction to clinical medicine. So I wrote about uh, an MS case. And I decided rather than give them a lecture on MS, I gave the medical students a lecture on the pro- what it felt like for me to go through the evaluation, be diagnosed with MS, and then now with a progressive illness, having to reimagine my life every year as I was getting steadily worse. And that um, experience... Uh, really helped me out because I now had a purpose that I was teaching the medical students how to be better physicians. So I had been trying to you know, give back to my family, but now it's giving back to uh, society at large. And in many ways, I turn that as a, as a really important moment because my life was more meaningful. Uh, and, you know, eventually I would eventually figure out uh, a way to re- return uh, reverse my disease, but having meaning in my life, even though I, I couldn't recover, was also a very, very important part of my recovery story. Okay, so it's hard. It's never one thing, right? When people people get well from a serious, um, really well progressed disease like yours, you know, everybody wants to know what did it, and sort of that medical model is, well, what thing did you do? What pill did you take? What treatment did you have? And it seems to me like it's never just one thing. And and it sounds to me like you're saying that that having purpose and something driving you and something that you're excited about in your career and helping others was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very, very important part. And um, once again, I've come to see that as a a vital step. You want to certainly uh, fix the nutrition and I'm sure we'll get around to talking about that, but having purpose and meaning is so important um, one, to be satisfied with your life. And then two, to be willing to do the work of all the other things that we can do to improve our health and vitality. I saw when I was researching your work um, that Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning was a big part of your turning point. You want to talk about that? Yeah. You know, as I was getting steadily worse, um, 
and I'm trying to uh, cope with all this. My kid, remember my children are really quite young. Uh, they were eight and five when I was diagnosed. And by the time I'm in the wheelchair, they're 11 and eight. So they're really still very, very young. And I'm trying to, uh, you know, still go to work. Fortunately, the VA is helping me adjust to all of this. Um, and I am telling myself every day, uh, the same thing that Viktor Frankl taught is between every event in your life in uh, your response to that event, there's a space. And in that space, the choice you make defines your character. And so I was telling myself every day that my kids are watching. They can either see me get up and go to work every day, no matter how difficult this gets, and uh, that I'm going to stay positive no matter how difficult this gets. Or they can see me give in to despair and give up when the going gets tough. And so, you know, I'd work out every day. I, I walked as long as I could. When I couldn't walk, I put in a pool uh, and I swam. And then when I couldn't swim anymore, I just did my simple aquatic exercises. And I'm telling myself, your children are watching. Your children are watching. Are you going to inspire them uh, to what uh, and show them how to be resilient in the midst of change? Or are you going to show them how to give in and give up? That is so beautiful. And so tell me how old your children are now and tell me how each of them you feel has been impacted by the fact that you did show up and you did fight through well, it. So my son's 25. He's in Princeton uh, working on, on uh, a master's in public policy. Uh, my daughter is 22. She just graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts uh, in studio art painting. You might have heard of my son. He was the young man who testified in front of the Iowa Legis uh, uh, House Judiciary Committee when they were trying to uh, have a hearing over same-sex marriage. And he had had a little testimony uh, defending his two moms. That little talk went viral with uh, like 20 million views. So he was an eloquent speaker and uh, certainly uh, feels inspired to want to make change for uh, issues that he feels passionate about. Um, my daughter, I, I remember when she was now probably 10 or 11, complaining bitterly that she had to uh, do the laundry and knew that none of her friends knew anything about doing laundry, knew nothing about laundry soap and how this was just totally not fair. And, and my response was, you know, Zeb, you're, you're so right. This is completely not fair. It's completely unreasonable that I, that we are asking you these things. Um, and, and I'm sure I understand why you are upset, but it's also completely unreasonable that I have MS, uh, that it's a struggle for me to stand and walk. Uh, and that's, there's nothing I can do about that. So it's not fair. It's not reasonable, but this is what we have to live with and you will have to do the laundry. Uh, and I'll keep working as long as I can. And then my daughter goes, Mom, I think you are glad you have MS so you could lecture me about about doing work. <laughs> I love teenagers. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so Zeb's horrified that I still tell that story. I go, you know, Zeb, that is just the story of, of the age that you were. Um, and the beauty is that because we got to have those conversations, you really were much more mature than most of your friends and uh, most of your uh, 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 friends in high school. And that's why you were more mature than many of the kids in college, because you understood that life's not fair. And there's nothing you can do about it other than just either give in or 
get up and get on with life. Really interesting takeaway for your daughter. I would have never guessed that. And I'm actually, as a mom, um, really inspired in ways that I didn't even expect to be in, in uh, getting to chat with you today. I love the way you reacted to Viktor Frankl and, and, you know, his life coming out of a concentration camp and then him sharing that absolutely pivotal work, Man's Search for Meaning, that have, that's changed millions of other lives because he survived and he found meaning in it. You, you've done the same and your children are now out there early leaders in things that they're mm-hmm. passionate about. I want to talk about the walls protocol. Do you, do you sure. talk about yeah. those kinds of things or is it mostly you know, like diet? So uh, actually I, I talk uh, about diet. I talk about uh, finding meaning and purpose, your mission statement, uh, what you want your health for. Um, I talk about the importance of detoxification pathways, about stress reduction, exercise move, movement, uh, your social network. So we talk about all of these diet and lifestyle things. But I do come back to that I think the, uh, the bedrock, the, the, one of the most powerful things we can do is improve the quality of our diet. You know, and, and I uh, provide a, a template for doing that. And I do that for uh, people who are vegetarian or vegan, people who are paleo or meat eaters, uh, and people who are ketogenic eaters. So that because uh, too many of us, and I certainly include myself in all of this, uh, we don't know how to structure our diet uh, effectively. I didn't do it very well as a vegetarian, and I didn't do it very well as a paleo eater because I was still ill. Uh, both ways. But when I learned how to structure the diet to, for my mitochondria, then my health recovered. Uh, and so I created a way of doing that, whether or not you're a, eating fat, eating meat, uh, eating just plants. Uh, because I think all three of those groups can inadvertently create health problems for themselves. If they don't have some uh, better guidance. Okay. So tell us what you eat on a daily basis, because you've been out of the wheelchair for how long? Uh, eight, well, nine years, nine years already. Wow. That's so incredible. I mean, I mean, how many people, once they're in a wheelchair from MS and you were fairly young, how many people get out of the wheelchair? So you can occasionally get into the wheelchair during the relapse and remitting phase and get out of it. But if you get into the wheelchair in the progressive phase, uh, no one gets out of it. Uh, if you look at the case reports, um, I'm the only case report of it ever reversing. We have published research uh, in our clinical trials where we got several of our folks uh, in the wheelchairs, out of wheelchairs as well. So uh, again, you um, when you hit the progressive phase, according to our conventional understanding, you, you do not expect to get back out of the wheelchair. Okay. I totally want to talk about the clinical trials in just a second because you are conducting clinical trials, which I think is really exciting. But w- tell me what you eat every day. So, um, and this will vary according to season. So right now I'll give you sort of the winter version of my diet, then I'll move into the summer version of my diet. So during the winter, I'm much more interested in having some ketosis. So in the morning, I'll just have water uh, and I'll take my uh, usual vitamin cocktail. Then I'll go off to work uh, and then I come home in the evening and I have what I call a membrane smoothie. So it's a lot of fat uh, in that uh, and I have some cocoa and cinnamon uh, and some uh, collagen in that. Uh, then I'll have a big green salad or I might have cooked greens. Uh, then I'll have a skillet in which I'll have whatever, you know, uh, 
uh, might have uh, a ground uh, beef or some some element of uh, meat protein in there, and tons and tons of vegetables. Um, so uh, yesterday we would have had uh, some ground lamb and a bunch of chopped uh, peppers and chopped onions and mushrooms. Uh, and then for my dessert, uh, I'd have some chia pudding. Uh, so uh, coconut milk with some chia. Uh, and then I'd have coconut milk and chamomile tea uh, to top everything off. How this changes during the summer. Well, hold on a second. Yeah. In the winter, all winter, do you eat only one meal and it's a big meal? Yeah. yeah. You know, on the weekend with my family, uh, I may have uh, socially, I, I might have breakfast or lunch if uh, there's a social event around it. But during the winter, I'll generally have just one meal. Um, so I'll have water during the day and a big meal uh, in the evening. So it looks like I'm eating a lot, but of course that's the only time that I'm eating. I, I do that uh, because uh, it'll put I'll make more ketones uh, during the day, which is great fuel for my brain. It stimulates the number of, of mitochondria per cell and it stimulates the efficiency per cell. This is a great anti-aging uh, strategy. It is a great uh, strategy for repair of your brain cells. Uh, but I'll do that just during the winter. When spring comes around and I start having our salads come in uh, and berries come in, I'll go back to having uh, a, a green smoothie or a beet smoothie in the morning. Uh, and then I will have... It, I'll still I'll just eat two meals a day, but then I'll have uh, a salad uh, or cooked greens, a uh, big platter of vegetables, and, and probably uh, some grilled or steamed meat or fish of some type. Okay, so I think that people will be interested to know this because not everybody is as dialed in and not everybody is eating for their neurological health. Tell me, before you were diagnosed, when you were very medically oriented and and uh, you hadn't made a shift to thinking in more holistic ways or more like the functional medicine that you now are interested in and practice. Yeah. Did you, before you made the shift, did you have coffee, soda, flour, yeah. sugar, all the stuff? So um, I grew up on a farm and uh, during my high school year, I decided to become a vegetarian. Uh, legumes, grains, uh, some vegetables, never liked uh, coffee. Uh, liked tea. Uh, I would have white flour, pasta. I would have some sugar. Um, not a huge sugar holic, but I, I certainly uh, did indulge in some cakes and sweets, uh, cookies. Um, and people would have thought this was a pretty healthful diet. Uh, my, as I had mentioned, my uh, Cleveland Clinic folks had suggest, uh, suggested the work from direct MS Charity, introduced me to Cordain and the paleo diet. So I went back to eating meat, but continued to decline. So the paleo diet uh, certainly did not uh, recover me either. Um, but people would have thought that was a healthful diet. Um, but I, I didn't really uh, know how to maximize the vitamin, mineral, antioxidant intake. And I wasn't really zeroing in on what was the uh, nutritional requirements of my cells and of my mitochondria and of my brain cells. And that was one, uh, was really the big aha moment where I said, you know, that's what I should really be doing is, um, it, using my list of vitamins and supplements to say, what, what do I need? Where, what food do I need to eat? 
and what foods would maximize this intake. And that's when I dramatically increased my vegetable intake. So I, I was still eating meat, but it was really a, a much smaller part of my diet. Uh, but the vegetable intake was huge. Uh, and I was having some berries. And you know, during the summer, I still have lots of berries. But I was probably having 12 to 15 cups of vegetables a day. Because once I did this, I discovered that, man, I craved it in, in a big way. And, and I structured this very specifically, you know, greens, uh, the sulfur-rich category, yeah, and the deeply uh, pigmented category. 12 to 15 cups of vegetables. I often, when I talk about drinking a quart of green smoothie a day, which I've challenged people to do for many years, and on a 450 city speaking tour that I was on for six years, I'll tell you, people say, I would have diarrhea. I would, you know, I've had not just one quart, but two quarts of green smoothie or green juice without fruit for years and years and years now. And of course it's just a matter of, yeah, you might have that reaction to it because your body's not used to so much fiber and so much, so, so much micronutrition. It's really interesting that you do that day in and day out. I think that uh, blending, juicing, the stir fries that you make, the salads, those are, those are probably the methods, right? Got any other ideas for how to get 12 to 15 cups of vegetables in your day? Well, you know, I have to, we should let everyone know I'm a big lady. I'm six foot tall. Um, and so I was doing salads, I was doing smoothies, um, and I just incredibly craved this. Uh, when I dialed back my meat, um, and there's no grain, no processed foods, no sugars, um, you're pretty hungry. And so, um, I was eating all that stuff. And if you're eating green leaves, you know, a, a plate full of uh, spinach or arugula, uh, if you cook it, comes down to almost nothing. So and if you're not eating much fruit, uh, it's, uh, it, I think it's pretty easy to get uh, past nine cups of vegetables. Uh, 12 to 15 was pretty, really very easy. Now, nine years into this, you know, I'm probably not doing uh, 12 to 15 cups anymore. Uh, I'd say nine cups uh, is is probably... Uh, much more accurate. When I talk about this uh, in the public, I, I knew full well that the public just could not get their head around 12 to 15. So I moderated my message to nine. Uh. This, you know, it, because you do deal with this in a teaching setting and, you know, probably at, at some level previously a clinical setting, it is the, the US RDA has you know, the government has admitted that the reason they don't raise the you know number of fruits and vegetables that you should eat in a day above five is because people can't handle it. That's the only reason. The only reason is is that it is just so silly. <laughs> so I'm excited to hear really a little bit about your clinical trials that you're doing right now with other folks with neurological degenerative disease. Yeah. So we had our our first uh, pilot study, which is where we we basically copied what I did in a very uh, specific uh, regimented way so we could replicate this. And we were able to show that people could implement it. It was safe. The biggest problem was that if you're overweight, you lost weight and got back to a healthy body weight. Uh, we had a uh, very clinically significant reduction in the severity of the fatigue uh, and an improvement in overall quality of life. We have, uh, so we've got several papers out for that. We've had a, a, a subsequent study where we randomized people to either wait or to get trained on the diet immediately. And these were folks with relapsing remitting MS and we're able to show, show that there is a, uh, again, reduction fatigue, improvement in quality of life. 
And with, and this study, we showed improvement in motor function, in terms of hand function, and in terms of walking. Uh, the next uh, papers that we have coming out uh, went back to our very first study because we had so much data that we are finally now uh, able to analyze. We've had some additional fund, funding come in. And so there'll be a paper coming out uh, in this month's uh, Journal of uh, American College of Nutrition that talks about the favorable changes in mood and cognition that we're able to show. Uh, uh, we have uh, another paper that we are in the process of revising and resubmitting. Uh, so hopefully we'll get that approved soon. And that paper describes the changes in gait that we saw in the people who, uh, again, who had progressive MS that you expect to only go downhill. Uh, and uh, there we're trying to get this that paper into an open access paper. So um, assuming that we, we do ultimately get uh, published, uh, those videos then would be uh, findable uh, in the public domain, which would be very exciting. So I'd like the public to be able to see some of these um, wonderful changes that we're able to show pre and post. Uh, we have uh, the, the current study, which was funded by the National Multiple Sclerosis Society, where we are uh, observing people for 12 weeks and then randomizing them to either the uh, low saturated fat diet or the swank diet or the uh, modified paleo diet, uh, which we're calling the, the WALS diet. Then we'll I'll follow people for 12 weeks uh, and see um, how they do. You know, and it may, and because the swank has been helpful and the Wallace diet has been helpful, we're comparing both groups to their observation period. Uh, so we'll have a way to see if is one diet better better than the other. Uh, are both diets um, uh, beneficial uh, for treating fatigue and improving quality of life? So if you feel confused as you're listening to this about what diet should I follow, you may know that my um, for healthy people. I don't think that we need to follow a diet so much as we need to eat whole foods. And I think the thing that all these diets are going to have in common um, and any protocol to eat healthy for a regular healthy person is going to be to eat lots of whole foods. And Dr. Walls has certainly learned this. Tell, tell a little mm -hmm. bit, Terry, about what, your opinion on supplements versus food and what, what difference they made. Well, you know, I, I, I think we could just look at, uh, at my food journey. So... My vegetarian diet, as I interpreted it, uh, did not lead to good health. My paleo diet, as I interpreted it, did not lead to good health. When I added vitamins and supplements, I continued to decline, uh, although I did figure out that the vitamins and supplements slowed my decline. So that was really uh, something I was profoundly grateful for. When I redesigned my, my version of the paleo diet, to maximize those, those nutrients that I was taking in pill form, that's when the magic began. Now, I still use targeted vitamins and supplements because remember, uh, I had uh, very severe disability from my MS. But the magic began with the, uh, you know, 12 to 15 cups of vegetables in a very structured way, uh, in a, you know, in a very structured uh, paleo diet. In a year's time, I went from being unable to set up to being able to do an 18-mile bike ride with my family, to having no fatigue, having my pain controlled for the first time in 20 years, uh, and having my brain fog gone. Uh, and I really, it, it was the food that made the big difference. 
yes, I still need the targeted supplements and they're very helpful. But the magic was adding all that, all of that very structured uh, food in, in a very clear way that I designed for my mitochondria. You know, your your diet is specific to healing mitochondria, healing that myelin sheath. And you know, I I'm not a doctor, but being on that lecture tour that I mentioned where, you know, people stood after my lectures in 450 cities for many years and they wanted to talk to me about their diagnosis. They always want to tell me their diagnosis and then I'll say, does this work for that? And by this, they mean getting more vegetables and greens and whole foods into their diet. And I would always want to be really careful because I don't want to diagnose, treat or prescribe way outside my scope. Don't want to be prescriptive in talking about diet. I just want to talk about what happened for me and my family when we went from being sick and fat on the standard American diet to healthy and well and competitive athletes on a whole foods diet, regardless of how you want to slice it or which, you know, dietary protocol you want to put it under. And I would always say to people, I got to be really careful answering that question because I can't say that doing X is going to have outcome Y. And I can't say that eating this specific way is going to heal this disease. However, however, we didn't have degenerative disease. We didn't have cancer. We, we could spend, like a person could spend an entire lifetime and never meet another person with cancer because it was one in 200. We didn't have heart disease before we had the standard American diet. And so yeah. it has to be part of the solution. That's my safe answer. I hear you saying the same thing in that you yeah, can take absolutely. supplements. Supplements are more expensive than food and food always has to be part of the solution. Is that, do you agree with that? Food has to be part of the solution. It, it, and I think... Um, when I think of what were the mechanisms by which my recovery happened, if I look at just the food part of it, you know, at first I thought I was I designed this diet very specifically around micronutrients, and that it was uh, Bruce Ames' theory that if you don't have enough micronutrients, your body sort of triages the most acute life-saving need, so you clot your blood so you don't bleed to death, but you don't take care of your long-term health, for example. So I thought that's what I was doing. And then uh, uh, as we began to understand the epigenetics that the food that we eat speaks to our genes, turning genes on and off, and we can create what should have been a healthy disease-resistant body into a sickly disease-prone one by eating sugar and white flour, or we can create the disease-resistant body that we, our DNA wants to build by eating lots of vegetables. Uh, and so I thought, okay, the vegetables were really shifting gene expression through that big term called called epigenetics. And then now more recently, we know about how important our poop is, that the bacteria and the yeast living in our bowels that make up our poop, that they help our bodies run the chemistry of life and that they make little byproducts that get into our bloodstream that help our brain work better, that all those vegetables were fertilizing the health-promoting bacteria. And of course, the reality is it was all three of those things. The micronutrients, uh, according to what Bruce Ames would have said, the epigenetics, according to what Randy Hurdle observed, and the microbiome uh, shifts. Okay, let's go sideways for a quick second about the microbiome. What do you think is key in rebuilding your microbiome? And also, what do you think of your colleagues in the field of medicine, uh, the, the way they use antibiotics these days? Well, we'll talk first about the uh, antibiotics. We brought, when we first started having a alimentary tract, that is a gut, however you know, long ago that was in the evolution of life, we brought with us at that time 
the bacteria in those ancient, ancient seas. And we have had this mix of bacteria that helped us digest our food and run the chemistry of life that all over those thousands and millions of generations that uh, we, we have been uh, a species and have, have existed with our guts. Every time we take antibiotics, we kill off some of those species and we decrease the diversity of uh, bacteria living in our bowels, which means we can't do the chemistry of life as fully and as completely. The consequence is higher rates of autoimmune problems. Every time you take the round of antibiotics, higher rates of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, higher rates of uh, neurological problem, dementias, mental health problems. So that is huge. The antibiotics worsen or decrease the diversity. Sugar and white flour decrease the diversity. What increases the diversity? Because I want to have as many different species in my bowels as possible so I, I can run the chemistry of life more effectively. Lots of vegetables increase that diversity. Eating more fermented foods, sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented beets, uh, uh, beet kvass, kombucha, all of that uh, helps increase that diversity. Eating enough fiber so I'm pooping snakes instead of pebbles and rocks. I love it. And thank you for talking boldly about that. We talk around it for some reason in our culture. We talk around it. We don't want to talk directly about what good digestion is like. like. Yeah. And the next thing we need to do is start teaching that in second grade. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much for all this incredible information. If you want more information from Dr. Terry Walls, her book, The Walls Protocol, How I Beat Progressive MS Using Paleo Principles and Functional Medicine, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Terry Walls. Thank you. Thank you. 